0: Hello, my friends, Jim Martin coming to you once again on the study of God's Holy Word. Today we look at Daniel chapter 2, Believing and Behaving in Babylon, part 2. Today we're going to look at, consider the question, does God speak to pagans, to unbelievers, to those that don't even pretend to follow Him? Does God reveal Himself to them and if so, for what purpose? I think uh, we'll see that the purposes of God are myriad and profound, and we better be ta- paying attention, because I believe that God is speaking today. He is revealing him, Himself and His will and His purpose and His design to the world today. And the world is befuddled and Does not know where to look. So that's the foundation of what we're going to study today. Pray with me. Father God, we come to you. Father God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord God Almighty, Supreme Creator and Ruler, the Sustainer of the universe. We ask your grace to be poured out upon us to to hear and to act accordingly upon your message to us today we ask these things with great gratitude in our heart to you and praise to you in jesus precious holy name amen amen i've posted a link in the study notes in the uh, podcast post today to the study notes and I, I encourage you to avail yourself of that because we're not going to go through all of those notes to, uh, today or if we have to extend this to next week because Daniel chapter 2 is a very long chapter. Chapter 1 was a relatively short chapter. But Jan- Daniel 2 is a long chapter and is quite uh, involved if we would care to go through the whole thing. So, let's review uh, very briefly where we find our heroes. Daniel and his three friends, who uh, the world knows as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but whom we know as... Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Well, last week, we completed part. We saw that Daniel and his three friends were very steadfast in their faith. Uh, when they were confronted with temptation, the temptation as we all are, to join the crowd in their captive land of Babylon, that was in the uh, 6th century B.C. Babylon, not 21st century A.D. Babylon, like we're living in today. Well, they offered an acceptable alternative, a creative alternative as what the king had proposed. And as we studied the last couple of weeks, he was just trying to make proper Babylonians out of it. And we looked at the four-step process that they were going through. And yet Daniel, uh, who was also named Belteshazzar, uh, Daniel and his three friends chose to be obedient to God regardless of the consequences. But they did offer a creative alternative, which the king's servants accepted and uh, tested them on. And we saw that they thrived. They not only survived, but thrived uh, by refusing to compromise their convictions. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. Uh, we, each and every one of us, who live in 21st century Babylon, will be called upon and tempted to join the crowd. That's what Paul, the apostle, wrote about in Romans chapter 12, when he said, "When he said, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, as you present yourselves as living sacrifice, holy and beloved, which is your reasonable spiritual worship, and that you be not conformed to this world. Stop letting the world press you into its mold, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. And that's exactly the principle that we look at that was applied not just to the Roman church but and not just to us but also in Daniel's day six hundred years before Christ walked the earth. So I think it's important for us to learn and apply and live by the principles of truth, don't you? Well that's what we're looking at. After they had proven themselves to be be worthy of the Babylonian hierarchies' blessings and favor. Then they received the finest education available at that time, and they applied themselves diligently to learning the customs and language of the Chaldean cultures, and yet they maintained their spiritual integrity and did not compromise their convictions. Again, what's a, what's a conviction? Well, it's the commitment. To not violate the principles of truth, even if it re- results in heavy loss for your person, but it's the glory to God. Even if we lose, even if we lose our lives, it results in glory to God. And that's that, we're going to see that truth played out in future lessons. Well, the question before the before us today is: Does God? speak to the ungodly does he speak and we ask ourselves the question why would he do such a thing why would he why would he speak to those that do not believe him in him certainly do not bow before him why would he do that what's his purpose in speaking to the ungodly and to whom is the message ultimately delivered and desired who's the who's the ultimate recipient of God's message, even through the ungodly. We see, the, we see that process going on in today's lesson. And we, as I said, chapter two is a very long and, and sometimes rather tedious chapter because in, in that in the literature of that day, they often repeated the, the story several times because that's how you learn the story is by hearing it several times. And so they repeated that story. They, they repeated what's going on uh, several times. And we say, okay, I heard you the first time. Why are we repeating that? Well, maybe you didn't hear it the first time time okay so let, let's just quickly review what's going on here the ruler of babylon nebuchadnezzar had a dream he had a dream that perplexed him so much and in that culture in that day they did have a spiritual element to their lives to their uh, psycho- psychology to their souls. They, they recognized that there were higher order beings that were not of this world. They just had an, an incorrect and incomplete view of who those beings were. In fact, they did not recognize that there was just one, one supreme being. They had lots of gods. Why? Because they had lots of needs. So they would create or perceive a supreme being, a higher order being, that was controlling the things that affected their lives. They were very blinded to the truth of there being one, one sovereign over the entire universe. That is the sovereign that we know as Jehovah God. So, when Nebuchadnezzar had this very troubling dream, he didn't know where to turn, so he turned to his advisors, his counselors, who were called... Not only the political advisors, but there were, quote, spiritual advisors as well, that the word is translated magicians. <laughs> so these are people that used all kinds of of uh, what we could, would consider silly meca- mechanisms to try to discern what the higher order beings were trying to tell them. And he called in his advisors, his whole cadre of advisors, and said, tell me, the dream I had and what it means. And they said, Well, if you tell us the dream, we'll tell you what it means. And therein, as they said, lies the rug Nebuchadnezzar wasn't falling for that. He says, No, no. You tell me what I dream and and also tell me what it means. And they looked at each other and just kind of shrugged, I'm sure, and said, Wait a minute, nobody could do that. What do you we're not mind readers? We can't tell you what you dreamed. Now, we we can ask ourselves as a sidebar, did Nebuchadnezzar forget what he dreamed? Was it so traumatic to him that he couldn't remember? Or was he really just testing his trusted men? Well, we we could argue that that question, but it's not going to lead us anywhere. The fact is, he had laid before them an impossible task. And they said they kept coming back with him uh, with great uh, great humility, quote-unquote, saying, look, uh, nobody on earth can do that. Nobody can tell you what you dreamed. Now, we can tell you what it means if you tell us what it means. They were pretty clever chaps, but Nebuchadnezzar wasn't falling for that. And his response to their refusal or inability was... You're gonna die if you can't tell me what I dreamed and what I and what it meant. You are gonna die. Of course, this uh, w- this was a very frightening proclamation, and so he he finally he finally just said, "Look, nobody can do this." They said, "Nobody can do this. What you're asking is unreasonable." Of course, they didn't put it like that, but that's what they meant. And he said, "I don't care if you can't tell me. You're worthless." And so the word eventually cutting to the chase here got to Daniel. And he said, "What's going on?" He says, "Well, they're they're about to round up all of the the counselors and all the staff of the king and and execute them because nobody can tell him what he dreamt." And Daniel says, "Hang on." Uh, so he went to Uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael said, look guys, we need to have a prayer meeting here. So they prayed. They laid it before the Lord, and Daniel slept. You know, when we have a crisis, and we lay it before the Lord, we could sleep. He will give His perfect peace to those who trust in Him. So, that's exactly what they did. The prayers of the righteous man, says James, in in James chapter 5 verse 16 we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and he will keep you in perfect peace so Daniel was able to sleep peacefully and during that night God revealed to him what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamt and with that he said this is what it means and so, we know, we can read the rest of the story there in, in chapter 2 of Daniel's, that Daniel appealed, again, to the, the guard, to the officials, the military, the the uh, law enforcement, if you will, and said, look, uh, the king's command is urgent and it's, uh, it's severe, uh, but there is a God in heaven. Okay? Daniel always was 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 sure to give praise where it belonged, and that's to God. He says this God can reveal or will reveal to the king what his dream means. So the the official went back to the king. Says there is among the captives from Ju- from Judea a man in whom, as he as he put it. Dwells the spirit of the of the gods who can interpret your dream, and so we fast forward, and and sure enough, Daniel gives him the interpretation. It gives him not only the dream, but its correct interpretation. And we know now from the narrative here that the dream involved a huge, fearsome statue. It was a a, a great monument uh, that consisted of four distinct. Parts, actually five parts, and then there was a a separate scene uh, that involved a very fearsome part. the for The the statue was that of a of a human. Uh, the head was of gold. the the chest, the the trunk of this statue was of silver, and the legs were bronze, and then the feet and ankles were of clay uh, mixed with iron. And so. This statue, the, each of the components of the statue had a particular meaning and reference to those whom God would allow and actually place in authority to rule his world and his people and ultimately to, re, to reveal himself to, the, to those who would care to listen. And Daniel said that you are the head of, God, of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold, the most valuable, and uh, and I'm sure this pumped up Nebuchadnezzar's ego in saying uh, you're the head of gold. And then there's these subsequent rulers or kingdoms that would come in and Nebuchadnezzar said, "Well, that's a shame, but it's not my problem because I'll be dead by then." And he talked about the the, the silver that's the Medo-Persian Empire and then the the bronze and the the feud. Uh, he talked about all that and we we're not going to get off into that because because that was the message for them and we have a message for us through this today. The fact is that Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar richly rewarded Daniel and promoted him in his responsibilities in the kingdom. This was not the last dream, okay? This was not the last appearance that God would make before the rulers of the kingdom in which his people were captive, captive slash protected, encapsulated, if you will. So what does this say to us today? Well, there's there's much for us to discuss p- potentially, but but the fact is, what we're trying to study is how should we believe and sh- how should we behave in Babylon. Well, the latter part of Nebuchadnezzar's dream was this huge, what he called a stone, a boulder, a rock that was discharged from a mountain, and it came and it crushed the the feet of iron and clay and it destroyed that and it and it was the everlasting kingdom was the interpretation of that. It, uh, this stone grew to be a mountain in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. What Daniel said that there is a final kingdom. There are these four earthly kingdoms and there's a fifth kingdom that is going to rule forever and ever. And we know that as the kingdom of God. And this stone that has come to destroy the idol-ridden kingdoms of the world is none other than his Messiah, Christ. And he becomes this mountain upon which the kingdom of God is built. And so Nebuchadnezzar was satisfied with the interpretation, the delivery and the interpretation of his dream. And he rested in that and indeed promoted Daniel, and his friends to significant influential places in the kingdom. And herein is what we see and what we consider this morning. Does God speak to the ungodly? Now, in that day, they recognized there to, to be a supernatural order to the universe. Do people today recognize that? Well, most people recognize that there, there, there's something beyond this line. Most people do. Now, there's the uh, completely secular humanistic point of view that says no we're pretty much all there is do you realize what that's rooted in just human pride just ignorant pride says we are all there is you say okay big shot where did we come from and then they come up into all these ridiculous explanations and theories about where we came from hey read the book read the book understand that there is a source of truth that is available to you and me today. It's not mysterious. We don't have to have dreams and visions. It's in God's Word and that's where we look. So where do people look today that don't that choose to not follow God? Well, the byword today is follow the science. Have you heard that? Follow the science And I say, okay, Follow the science. Where does it lead you? Well if you believe in evolution, it doesn't leave you there. It doesn't lead you there. The science does not lead you there. Now I'm kind of a I'm kind of a scientist. I'm an engineer by training and practice. Before I, I really got into this, I, I was Thirty-one years as, an, as a chemical engineer and a scientist. I understood the sci- I understand the scientific method. That will not lead you to Darwinistic evolution. It will prove Darwinistic evolution is wrong. Okay? It, it will. It'll. It'll prove it wrong. It's. It's a. It's an unsupportable theory. The truth is, God created the heavens and the earth. And without Him, there's chaos and void, emptiness, meaninglessness read the book. But people today are saying follow the science. Okay, they're applying that to all kinds of things. Uh, The COVID vaccinations is is the hot topic of today. It's going to be something next week or next year or next decade. It's going to be something else. They're looking everywhere except to their creator because they refuse to recognize him and his activity, or they think he's irrelevant. If they will acknowledge the existence of a supreme being, they don't think he's relevant to their life. They say he is a disinterested perhaps somewhat amused observer. My friends, he is not amused. Okay? There's some whole old story about, uh, I guess it was the, the original... Uh, Queen Elizabeth I, someone came and was trying to amuse her, a jester or perhaps a a comedian, and she said, we are not amused. God is saying, I am not amused. Matter of fact, I'm enraged by what you are doing and why you're doing it. You're violating everything I've I've laid to laid out as a principle of truth and life. You are violating that. You're ignoring it. You're thumbing me in the face. <clears throat> it's not going to end well with you. you. Remember that stone coming in out of the mountain, crushing the feet, destroying the statue? Yeah, it's coming. His first advent came to reveal God to us. His ad- second advent, he's coming to take over. Okay, we can read all this, my friends, but let's just hit the highlights, all right? Daniel and his friends used the gifts that were bestowed upon them every one of us that wears the name of jesus that follows the lord jesus christ as savior and lord given supernatural gifts spiritual gifts in which we are to operate in this world we are to make god known we are to to comfort and challenge and meet the needs of the people around us but the primary purpose of all these gifts, is to make God known and to work in His kingdom. And you you have all been given supernatural gifts. And like Daniel, like Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, we should be using those gifts to glorify God. Yes, we will be called upon by secular authorities and entities to perform tasks, to give counsel, to Work in this world. How should we? How should we do that? Well, should we should do it as excellence. With excellence, we should be excellent in everything we do. I ch- I challenge my grandsons and my grandchildren to find what your purpose is in this world. Equip yourself. I have five of my eight grandsons that are in uh, institutions of higher learning this very day. Five of them. And uh, one of my granddaughters is is in an advanced training institution today. All of them are being equipped to serve the Lord, and to serve this society, and to bring this society into order, God's order, to bring order and peace into this society, to bring, yes, shalom, into a world of chaos. That's what we're being equipped, what they are being equipped to do. That's what we have been gifted to do, my friends. That's what we need to be about. Find our purpose. It's not mysterious. Yes, it's spiritual. It's supernatural. But all my friends... God will reveal your purpose to you. Lay yourself before Him. Lay aside your own rights and privileges and everything. And take upon yourself the mantle of humility. Learn your purpose. Equip yourself to serve. And then serve with integrity, righteousness, and fervor out there. Be excited about serving God in Babylon. That's where we are today. God will reveal the hidden things. If you serve with integrity out there and with excellence, it will, as as we say, beg the question. It will beg the question. People will ask, tell me, why do you do the things you do? Why do you think the way you think? Why do you respond? To disappointment, discouragement, disaster, the way you do, and you, you will say, "Oh, I'm so glad you asked." Here, here's how I think. Here, here here's how God has shown me life work. Do you know how life works? Do you understand the principle of truth? God has not hidden them from you, my friend. With His Holy Spirit, interpreting and applying the Word of God, you will be equipped to serve Him in this world. Never take your eyes off the fact that there is a final kingdom. The kingdom of God is not in the sky by and by. The kingdom of God is in force and active and being built right now. And as I record this, it's, it's September the 21st, first day of, of autumn in the year of our Lord, 2021. That's when I'm recording this. And the kingdom of God is alive and well and being built and expanded as we speak right now. I want to be a part of that, don't you? How do we... Re- what, when, and when when we reveal... God's truth and if God gives the grace to even pagans to accept his truth you look at what Nebuchadnezzar who was a heartless godless despot when he heard God's truth he bowed before Daniel and and what that means is he worshiped Daniel now we're not we're not told that Daniel refused his worship now we you know you look over in the book of Acts and and the formation of the church and Many times, people tried to worship the apostles, and they refused that worship. They said, no, no, we're just men. Worship God instead. We're not told that Daniel and his friends did that. But nevertheless, Nebuchadnezzar worshipped them. Uh, he rewarded them richly, and he promoted them to places of influence. If we are excellent in our work and seek to understand our our. Uh, authorities objectives then don't be surprised when we're allowed to have positions of influence what do we do then then we start putting in place the elements of god's kingdom we start we start saying okay now i'm 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 given the the opportunity to institute and build shalom in my culture in my society, in my circle of influence, I can build shalom. I can begin to restore God's order, His purpose, His processes. That's the, that's the bottom, bottom line of part two of believing and behaving in Babylon. Are you ready? Do you see? If you have questions, message me. Put comments in the comment sections. Do what you need to do. I'll be happy to have a chat with you. Have a discussion with you. I want to do that. Pray with me now. Father God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for revealing these things to us, Lord. Now, open our eyes to see the opportunities around us in our pagan society in Babylon of the 21st century and show us, Lord, how we can institute and apply your truth in the principles of life in your kingdom in Babylon today. We ask this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving and praise. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. We'll talk to you next week.